Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is a podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist, and also keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym, the source of all kinds of information related to wellness in general, as well as positive psychology, my own particular spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and lots of other wellness-related things. It's also the place where you can communicate with me and even suggest guests for future podcasts. As listeners to the podcast know, my goal is to constantly provide you with sources of information through guests who lead their own lives enthusiastically and have different ways of helping us to become the best versions of ourselves. And we're especially fortunate today to have Rick Olderman with us. He's probably going to be as practical a guest as we've had, somebody who we're all going to be able to take away uh, helpful advice uh, from this podcast. Rick is a sports and orthopedic physical therapist. He has more than 25 years of experience, and he specializes in helping people with chronic pain to experience a pain-free life. I think when we talk about chronic pain, that pretty much includes most of us having some experience with pain lasting a while in some part of our body, if not multiple parts. Rick has written the popular Fixing You series of books, which uh, can be found on Amazon. Uh, It's designed to help people with chronic pain and injuries. More recently, he has created downloadable video home programs to help people solve pain from head to toe, which I guess pretty much covers every place that pain can happen. These programs include his pioneering approach that can help, that has helped solve hundreds of cases of chronic pain at his clinic in Denver for the past 10 years. Rick has a new book that's coming out in 2023 called Solving the Pain Puzzle. I'm all for solving things, so looking forward to that. And he's actually posted a few chapters from that book on his website. And uh People will be able to go there. We'll get all that information in a bit where you can uh, pre-order the book and find his home programs as well as lots of other free stuff. He's recognized as one of the top professionals in the United States when it comes to understanding recurring injuries and chronic musculoskeletal pain. He wants to enhance quality of life by helping people to fix their pain for once and for all. I guess that's something we all want. So Rick, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Ron. I'm really looking forward to speaking with you. Great. Well, you've got so much to offer uh, that I want to jump right into it. But there are a couple of things I, I want to make sure that we're understanding at the beginning. And that is, why don't we start with just not assuming that people know what a physical therapist is and what physical therapy is. Can you 
give us the uh, the Cliff Notes version on what a physical therapist does. Well, a physical therapist is pretty much what it sounds like. We basically work with the human body head to toe, and uh, we're especially known for if anyone's ever had a surgery. Almost always, you go to a physical therapist after your surgery. What's lesser known is that a physical therapist also helps with chronic pain as well. And, you know, physical therapy has a huge umbrella of possibilities. So there are people who specialize in pelvic floor. There's people who specialize in brain injuries. There's, you know, people who specialize in shoulder rehab. So there's, you can really dig down deep and specialize into almost any area that you want as a physical therapist, but it's a, it's a big umbrella term for basically anything from head to toe. If you have a pain there, we can probably help you with it. And your specialty is chronic pain. Yeah, well, that uh, wasn't by choice. So it just turns out that the majority of people who come into a clinic have some issue with chronic pain. So going into my first job, I expected it all to be more post-surgery and pre-surgery, things like that. But literally, I I would say at least half of my patient load was chronic pain. And since that first job, probably three quarters of my patient load well, in the past five years, I'd say probably 80 to 90% of it has been chronic pain. It's just rampant in the U.S. and around the world. Why is that? Uh, you know, is that well, that I believe... in the case, or, or is it something that's about what we're eating or doing or what? Yeah, well, I, I have an overarching theory, but the idea of why we have chronic pain is often has to do with how we're trained in medicine. So... What is going on in, in medicine, the, the, the gold standard for inclusion in any research project is a double-blind research study, right? And so in order to have a double-blind research study, you have to isolate one component of something. Otherwise, you can't. it's very difficult to have a double-blind research study on something that has five components, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So because we have to reduce everything down to one component, it really, it's like looking at a you know, solving, looking at a jigsaw puzzle piece and trying to understand what the whole picture is going to look like from this one little piece. There's, there's nothing in medicine that's putting these jigsaw puzzle pieces back together again. And so, yes, we're trained in all of this, what I call component thinking in medicine, where we can drill down, we look at, we look at scans, we, can, we have millions of tests to identify exactly which tissue is torn or hurt or whatever, inflamed, but there's no testing And there's no concept about why any of this stuff is happening. That's not being taught in schools. And that's what was missing, you know, for me as a new PT out there, you know, I felt like a huge failure because I wasn't helping people with chronic pain because I wasn't taught about this connection between anatomy and pain. We're taught taught all of this anatomy and physiology. Mm -hmm. And then we're taught, oh, if you have a biceps strain, here's what you do to rehab that. But we're not taught about how that anatomy and physiology becomes a bicep strain. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the key to solving pain. And this is why I believe that we have a lot of chronic pain because our medical system isn't, our, our teaching is not geared towards a more systems approach to thinking. It's stuck in component thinking. Oh, that's so interesting. Uh, and I guess I, I'm wondering then, it sounds like over time, you've evolved an approach that uh, is not only different than what's taught in medical school, but probably different than what a lot of physical therapists might be doing. Uh, can you 
we, we've obviously got a limited amount of time, so sure. I, I, I'm sure you could give a few lectures on this, but in, yeah. in general, what kind of underlies your approach to, to treatment? Okay, so... Really, uh, your underlying approach to understanding and treating patients. Sure. Well, you know, one of the things I had before I went into PT school was this idea, because I had back pain prior to going to PT school. And I went to a physical therapist for a couple of sessions. They helped me, but it came back. And ultimately, I felt my, my question to myself was, what am I doing that's causing this back pain? And so that was never taught in PT school. I kept I, I, I was expecting insider secrets, but mm-hmm. they never came. And so really, most pain, most chronic pain is about how you're using your body. And that how you're using your body creates tightness or weakness in key areas that cause pain. And one really easy example of this is uh, back pain. Most people, if you lie with back pain, if you lie down on the floor with your legs straight, your back won't be nearly as comfortable as if your knees were bent or you hug your knees to your chest. All right. So why is that? Well, what you're doing when you're bending your knees is yes, you are changing the shape of your spine, but it's the shape of your spine isn't, isn't what's the problem. What you're doing when you bend your knees in this situation is you're removing stresses from your legs that are acting on your pelvis and affecting your spine. Mm-hmm. So the next step of this is if you stand up, and if, if anyone stands up and listens to the rest of this podcast, within a minute or two, they're going to notice that they're locking their knees backwards. Okay, this is an energy conservation move. Mm-hmm. We conserve energy because we don't now don't have to use our leg muscles. All right. So, but however, when the legs are locked backwards your back is arched more. If you can unlock the knees, your back flattens more. We remove some of those stresses from the legs again. Just like we did on the floor when we bent our knees, the same happens when we stand. So standing and walking with locked knees contributes to more arching of the back. And we just found out on the floor that when our back is arched more, it hurts more. So this is how I look at the body to solve pain is I figured out what are the habits that we're doing that are causing these patterns of dysfunction in our body? And how do we solve those? And then not only do you have to solve the way that you're using your body, but you have to solve those tighter, weak muscles that you created because of how you used your body that way. Mm. Even though it sounds really simp- uh, complicated, it's actually quite simple. And, you know, I've, I've had to train my therapists at my clinic, all of them new grads, none of them are being taught the systems thinking. They're all being taught component thinking. And when I teach them this, they're all like, it's like a whole new world for them, you know, but they, once they start seeing the results of how quickly you can get people better, when you solve the movement habits associated with those issues, they, they're all, on, they were all on board. I mean, it was a no brainer for them. Hmm. So that's what I mean. So my whole approach is what I, this is what I call systems thinking. The back pain isn't a fault in the back. It's the fault in the legs, usually, and how the legs are being used that is creating excessive stress in a back. And so people may say, well, I've got spinal stenosis, or I've got a disc bulge, or herniation, or spondylolisthesis. Well, you may have those things. But if you look at research, many, many people have those things and have no back pain at all. So those things aren't necessarily causing your back. The, the switch that you need to make in your thinking is, that the thing that's causing, that's causing those things to occur in your back are, is also the thing that's causing your pain. 
So if we change, if we take away the hammers that are hammering all of those structural issues like the stenosis, then you won't have pain even though you have spinal stenosis or spondylolisthesis or disc bulges. If we just stop hammering them, and what are those hammers? It's how you're using your body. So, I mean, this, this is fantastic. Uh, so is the approach relatively the same then if it's back pain or knee pain or jaw pain? Or in other words, is there something that you're doing a whole lot different with each one? Or is it a matter of, you know, getting the body to behave the way it's supposed to behave? Ron, that is such an astute question. No one has asked me that. And it's absolutely the right question because back pain has everything to do with the legs. And so we solve leg issues as they relate to back pain. If anyone out there listening has back pain, chances are they have an old injury in their legs that maybe they rehabbed and thought it was okay, but they probably rehabbed it just enough where they could get by and go on with their life and do something. But their brain has something else to say about that. You know, their brain's monitoring this system and it's creating these compensations that are now hurting the back. So when in my, for instance, home program for back pain, you'll notice that there are no exercises that are targeting the back. It's all about targeting the legs because hmm. that is what is feeding the back pain. And this is why we're so successful uh, in my clinic and my books and now these home programs is because no one... If, if anyone has been to rehab for their back, I, I bet you 99% of the people out there will say, well, yeah, no one really looked at my legs, my feet, my knees, my hips. No one ever looks at these things. And that's why that's because a lot of physical therapists, there's there again, it's this component thinking that's going on. Oh, you've got back pain. Let's look at the back or maybe the pelvis, but certainly not the feet or the knees or the hips. And this is why we're failing. And this is why we have chronic pain, going back to your original question. That's fantastic. Uh, I, uh, I, I got to ask a personal question at this point, yeah. because I, and I don't even remember. It's probably been two or three years. I don't even remember what the pain was or what the injury was. But I noticed that I would, in my normal sitting, that I was flexing my knees. So my uh, my feet are actually kind of under the chair, under normal right. sitting. And I, I noticed in some restaurants, I noticed other guys doing this. It tends to usually be men, but is is that a is that a good thing, a bad thing? I you know, I uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> the answer depends. Is the, is the answer right? Mm -hmm. Because let's say, if you, are you doing that right now, Ron, sitting in your chair right now? I'm sitting in my chair, but my, my feet are more extended. So go They're ahead and do that on the one floor. more. Time. I think I'm, I'm in. Go ahead for just for a little experiment. Go ahead and tuck them underneath the chair, like what you were talking about. And I'll, I'll show you how to think about this. Okay. So are you doing that? Yep. Okay. So I noticed that you leaned further closer into the monitor. Mm -hmm. And what you might have noticed is that your back is arching a little bit more now. And if you untuck the feet from the, underneath the chair, go ahead and do that you'll feel that your back relaxes out of that arch more. Mm -hmm. Well, we just found out 99% of the people out there who have back pain, regardless of whether they have spinal stenosis, disc bulges, whatever, they have more pain when their back is arched more. And so tucking, and we, just like that standing with locked knees, we've figured out that that arches the back more. 
tucking your feet underneath the chair more will arch your back more. So if you have back pain and you're tucking your feet underneath your chair, then yes, it's a bad thing. (laughs) How's that? And that's how I think about this. And that's how people need to think about this. What am I doing that's, that's contributing to my pain? And that's what I help them with. How about sleeping positions? Is there a, a preferred sleeping position then for, for yeah. most people? Sure. So uh, again, if we go back to that back arching situation, all right, again, 99% of all back pain is caused by excessive arching of the back. All right. So if you sleep on your back, then you need to have a pillow underneath your knees because just like when we did that little test on the floor, if you bend your knees, you find that your back feels better. Right. So sleeping with a pillow underneath your knees is a big help. Now, those are people who sleep on the stomach. What that's going to do is put their back into even more arching. And this is why, in general, we recommend that you not sleep on your stomach. But what I have found as a physical therapist is if they've spent the last 50 years sleeping on their stomach, and now I say don't sleep on your stomach, they're not in the middle of the night, they're not going to be listening to me. They're going to be going back to sleeping on their stomach. Mm-hmm. So the way that you can sleep on your stomach if you have back pain is to simply put a, one of your bed pillows underneath your chest from your chin to your waist. And what I'll allow you to do is it'll allow your hip joint to flex, which will then take this arching stress out of your back. Mm-hmm. Some people may need to use two pillows. Some people may get away with a bath towel. It just depends on the degree of severity of your problem. All right. Now, there's another pattern. Is this going to be on video, Ron? Do you some the, the general part won't be, but be okay, because I have a skeleton I want to okay. Well, go ahead. Some, some, you know, the worst okay. that'll happen is it won't show up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, and I'll describe this for for the listeners. But anyway, the second big pattern that's causing most unilateral back pain, for instance, left side back pain or left side sciatica or left side SI joint pain. This pattern is usually caused by an elevation of one side of the pelvis. Usually, if we're talking about left-sided, then we're going to talk about the left side of the pelvis and depression of the left side of the ribcage. This is what I call a side-bending problem, all right? Makes sense? You're side-bending. And what this does is it increases left-sided compression of the low back. Well, this is where all the nerve roots are exiting from that comprise your sciatic nerve. So this is one common cause of back pain, unilateral back pain, is this askew pelvis and rib cage that's occurring. And if the pelvis is off like this, nothing happens in the body in isolation. When you have something like this happen, where the pelvis one side is higher than the other, then there's also rotation of the pelvis as well. And that's what creates this torque across the SI joint as well, mm. which is the S is the sacrum and the I is the ilium. And the joint, the SI joint is right there at the pelvis. So what the real question though is, oh, that's really nice to know, but why is this happening in the first place, right? Yeah. Well, less, if, if this is your left side and you've got left side of back pain or sciatic pain, chances are you've got some older problem on the left side of your leg. Because what is going on is your body is trying to get off of that leg. And that's why the hip is hiking up. The muscles that are hiking the hip up are also attaching to the ribcage and pulling that down. So if you've got some old injury, and this is the really funny thing, Ron, is that 
when I say, oh, you've got some old injury that's probably causing this on the left side, almost invariably people say, well, I don't have any old injuries on my left side. But the, the reason they say that is because they, they haven't been taught to think that there's a connection between the two, right? So they forget about those old injuries as, well, that's in the past. I've rehabbed that. It's done. No, it's not done. This is why you're having this pattern. Fix that. And that's the ultimate fix for the whole pattern is to fix whatever old problem you have in that left leg. Okay. That's, again, really, really interesting. We've kind of been uh, talking about, not kind of been, we've been talking about the back a fair amount, which got me to thinking. Um, I don't know that I know anybody, say, who's over 50 that hasn't had some issue with the back. Is, am I dealing with uh, just a, a skewed population or is back pain, back pain a, a pretty common problem? It's, it's a very common problem, but it, this goes back to your original question. Why is it chronic? And again, it goes back to the idea that we as medical professionals keep looking at structures in the back as the fault. We do all of these tests to figure out exactly what structure it is, and then we treat that structure. But you have to ask, why is that structure the, the, the problem? And it has everything to do with how you've been using your body. And this is what I think we, this is why everyone over 50 has chronic back pain, because all of us therapists have been just treating these tissues and not solving the whys behind it. Well, in, uh, in that regard, when you, most of my back issues were early. I've had other things since then, uh, yeah. uh, hip, knee, shoulder, and so on. But I remember going to physical therapy when I was in my 20s or 30s. And I remember it's kind of nice. I was lying there and I had hot packs and stuff like that. I don't remember having to work very hard. And my most recent uh, bouts of physical therapy, and I, and I don't regret this because I I still practice on a daily basis what, what I've been taught. But, you know, first of all, the equipment was probably as, as complete as the gym that I attend. And uh, I had to work hard. You know, I was, when that hour was done, I mean, it wasn't like uh, I was going to go to the gym later that day or anything. Is that, uh, number one, is that pretty much uh, standard nowadays? And also, in your approach, I guess I'm leading to a, a little different question, but in treating the, the whole body in this way, is, is it a, an active approach? Are there passive modalities or what, what happens? Yeah. So in my clinic, we didn't use any passive modalities. Mm. None. Mm. Um, I had, well, I did have a laser machine and we use that for some people, but otherwise we don't use anything else. Because those modalities aren't solving problems. They're treating tissues that are irritated. And so they're not treating, again, why the tissues are irritated. And so, yes. So if you came to my clinic, so this is the thing is that in my clinic, we did uh, test retest all the time. So, okay, tell me exactly when, when does your back hurt? What motion is hurting? And someone would demonstrate that. I would do a treatment designed to solve a tighter, weak muscle or a movement problem around that pain. And then, okay, get back up and redo that. Does that feel better, worse, or the same? Better. By what percent? 
30%. Great. Let's do more of it. And then, so this test Reese test guides the treatment about what you should be doing. We, we never just throw things at people just to get them moving. And that's a, that's another thing that's, I mean, anyone who's been to physical therapy has probably been given a, been given, you know, a hundred different exercises to do something right. But that's because they're just casting a big net trying to solve every possible problem that might be the case rather than understanding exactly what the problem is and only giving one exercise to solve that. Or it's one exercise that will solve three different problems. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, one of the big fixes that I do for that knee locking thing problem is I put tape on the backs of the knees. And what that does is whenever you lock your knees, you feel that tape give it a little tug and it reminds you not to lock your knees anymore. Mm. So, but that tape on the back of the knee can help solve plantar fasciitis, knee pain, hip pain, and back pain or SI joint pain. It solves many problems all at once with a simple little solution because you're understanding where that fits in as a system solution. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's that reminded me that I, I think it was for plantar fasciitis that I noticed that I was, you know, flexing my knees when I was sitting. So whether that contributed or not, I don't know. But I do have a what I think is a major question. I'm pretty certain that orthopedic surgeons exist for a reason, and some neurosurgeons who work with the spine and so on. How does somebody know, particularly in a state, and I guess most of the states now, you can go to a physical therapist without a physician referral. How does somebody know who who to go to, when to go to, how, what's your relationship with physicians and so on? I have a great relationship with physicians. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of the physicians that work with our clinic trust us because we find things that they don't really understand why we're looking there, <laughs> but we've had such good success. They trust that we're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, so I have a great relationship with, with that. My feeling with, yes, most physical therapists, states are now direct access. So people could go directly to a physical therapist without going to see their doctor first. So my general guidance on this is that if you've had an acute episode of something where there's some mechanism of injury, like, you know, you fell or, you know, you got hit by something or, or you twisted something and now it suddenly really hurts a lot. That is uh, more of a case for, to see a medical doctor. If you're dealing with like what we've been talking about, chronic back pain, chronic neck pain, chronic shoulder pain, that kind of stuff, any kind of chronic issue, I would probably just go directly to the physical therapist and and see what they have to say, because chances are uh, the doctor is just going to send you there anyway, and it'll save you some time. And if the, and we're, we're trained to screen. So if there is a medical issue going on here, like a tear involved or some other medical condition. I mean, we'll refer you right back to that doctor and say, hey, we think that this person has a tear. I, I recommend orthopedic surgeon take an MRI or x-rays and send them that route. So it, it's not like if you go to a physical therapist, you've you know, blown your chance to go see a doctor. We're, 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 des- we're trained to spot those conditions that we're, not pro- that we're not the professional that they should be seeing and refer them to the appropriate doctor for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Great. Well, what about the concept of prevention? I don't. It, it may be too broad for you know everything that could go wrong, but are there two or three or four general principles that you can tell people that they should be doing to increase the chances of not not seeing you more than we have to? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think. One of the things that has happened in medicine is that patients have given up their responsibility for their own issues. And once you understand that how you're using your body has a lot to do with why something is hurting, my, my, one of my general recommendations is start paying attention. And especially those things that are hurting you, those activities that are hurting you, like sleeping or bending over or things like that, sitting that you're going to find answers to your pain in those very activities that are causing your pain. So I would give you permission to start experimenting with doing what, how, sitting differently, laying down differently, standing differently, to see if that feels better and trust your body's response to that, regardless of whether it goes against common medical wisdom or not. Trust your body's response because that's what's really telling you the truth. And that's what kind of got me off of this, going down this road, is that a lot of the things that we're taught not only weren't helping people, but were counter to what I found, gradually learned, actually helps people. Mm. So you got to throw a lot of those medical myths out the window, and you have to become your own physician and, and understand your body a little bit and, and know that there's a link. There's a reason you're having that pain. It has a lot to do with how you're using your body or have been using your body. Those activities will give you the keys. Yeah, so that uh, if you're creating your own pain, then stop doing that. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's easier said than done. Yeah. One of the common things, especially with older people, right? Doctors say, well, you need to start walking more. Well, not all walking is the same. So walking, in fact, no one got out of our clinic without us teaching them how to walk better. If they have any kind of back, hip, pelvic, knee, or foot pain, because walking is the activity that's actually contributing to all of those issues. And so if you go back and walk the same way that you've always walked, then your chances are you're going to get the same result that you've always got. So you've got to learn to walk differently. and, And my programs teach you how to do that too. Okay, great. Well, we're, I've got so many more questions, but I, we're running <laughs> late on time. I, I do have to ask you, uh, I'm always interested in people's journeys. So uh, I didn't want to ask early and take up a lot of time on it. But how, how'd you happen to get into this, this line of work? I think you kind of clarified how you managed to uh, become a less traditional uh, physical therapist. But how somebody decide to be a, a PT in the first place? Yeah, you know, I was uh, I grew up on a farm in Ohio, and we I had never heard of a physical therapist before because if you got injured, well, okay, get it back to work kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, and it wasn't until later in my twenties that I just happened to be listening to one of my friends. She mentioned that her dad was in physical therapy. I'm just like physical therapy. What's that? Because in college I studied pre med and science teaching. And, uh, and so I was, I was always interested in medicine and I enjoyed exercise. And so she said, Oh, well, they do this kind of stuff. I'm just like, really? Wow. I, I want to check that out. Cause that sounds right up my alley. And then when I did, 
I kind of fell in love with it. So that's how I got into it. Great. And probably most important, you've got so much to offer people. Uh, we've only had a small snippet on, on this show, and we probably going to have to indice, induce you to come back. But tell us about some of the things that you've got to offer for people who aren't living in Denver, uh, aren't going to get to your clinic, but uh, sure. can you know benefit from your knowledge and uh, and how do they find you? Yeah, so this is why I wrote my books about 10 or 12 years ago is because I realized a lot of this information wasn't getting out there. So I, I kind of did an, an end around practitioners and wrote my books directly for the people. And then my clinic for these last 10 years has, has shown me it's helped me hone my approach to become even more precise. So that's where these downloadable home programs are now that that I've created. And all, all of this stuff, my books and my home programs, you can go to rickolderman.com. And the books link to Amazon. You know, you'll, you'll get them from Amazon there. But that you can see everything I have there. The home programs are on rickolderman.com. And I've even created a, a practitioner training course to teach people who want to learn the systems approach to solving pain. I've, I've created an online course to do that, too. It offers CEUs for physical therapists and, and so forth. So that's where they could go. Oh, and uh, if you type in fixing you, F-I-X-I-N-G-Y-O-U in the coupon code, uh, you can get 20% off whatever you purchase, except for my books on Amazon. I, I don't know how to create a coupon code for that. <laughs> I've got the same issue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, no, I, and I can vouch for the fact that, you know, there's so much really great material. The, you start with rickolderman.com. Uh, and uh, one, rather than me butcher it, all this stuff will be in the show notes, but spell your name for us so that uh, sure. R-I-C-K-O-L-D-E-R-M-A-N. Dot com opposite of younger woman older man <laughs> easy easy to remember and also i've got a new book that's coming out uh next year solving the pain puzzle which you mentioned you can pre-order the book there it's 25 it's case studies of people i've worked with over the over the last few years that illustrate these concepts that i'm that we're talking about today okay that's that's wonderful i thank you so much for sharing all this information uh, you. I have one more question that I hesitate to ask because I know the answer, and, but is there anything I should have asked but didn't? And uh, I tried, tried not to think of everything that I should have asked. Yeah. But but no, I, I think you did a, a great job, Ron. I mean, we, we, I mean, there's so, like you said, there's so much we could cover. I mean, we could just do a show just on neck pain, you know, or headaches or whatever, or hip pain or what have you. And I'm happy to come back anytime you want. But uh, my 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 parting comment to the listeners is that you know uh, when we have chronic pain, we tend to think that we're broken, especially when we've been to a lot of practitioners, tried a lot of procedures, and blah blah blah, and the pain keeps coming back. And my message to you is that you are not broken; you just haven't had the right information yet. And from a musculoskeletal standpoint, I, I think I have some new information that will really help you. So, uh, and that's why I'm here. So anyway, that's, that's my general message to, to your listeners. And I can certainly vouch from personal experience for the benefits of physical therapy. 
I do think that it's important, and this is not just for me, but having worked in a medical school, so many of the, the physicians, you know, endorse the notion that rehab works, even if it's not always as uh, sophisticated as, as Rick has identified. But I think the, the other thing that I would encourage is to recognize that it's not just that hour that you're there uh, once, uh, two or three times a week, but I don't know anybody who follows directions in this area harder than I do. I rehab, uh, I still do exercises from things I've been taught years ago. And I just, you know, it's not magic. You feel better if you do, if you do the work. Yeah. You know, I think I, what's, what's key uh, is that you have to show that it's going to feel you make you feel better. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's often missing. And a lot of people, that's why a lot of people give up their exercises because they don't understand how this is equating to helping them feel better. But that's what we take t- pains to. I, I, I sold my clinic in April, so I'm not trying to get more patients to my clinic. This is what we did is, you know, we show exactly why this exercise is important to them. Mm-hmm. And when people get that connection, they're more willing to do it. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, again, there, there's just so much in your approach that can be so helpful to so many people. Uh, expect another invitation back here. But in the meantime, <laughs> again, all the information is in the show notes. You'll learn a whole lot uh, from, from Rick and his programs. And I'm so grateful, Rick, that you've spent the time with us. Thanks again. And look forward to, to seeing you again. So another episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser comes to an end, especially an informative episode with Rick Olderman, and uh, look forward to talking with him again in the future. But you guys can all get some of this information, not just by re-listening to the podcast, but also going to his website and seeing all that's available there. Chronic pain does not have to be a part of your life in most cases. Uh, you know, I've uh, had my share of injuries. I rehabbed them. I strongly recommend, you know, physical therapy and particularly Rick's approach to it because we're talking about the entire body. So I hope that uh, you'll tell your friends to listen to this episode. I hope you'll download it, rate it, review it, and uh, be back next week when we have another interesting guest. Again, we have a pretty high bar to pass, but I, I guarantee you we'll have somebody who will help you to become a better version of yourself. And live with enthusiasm no matter what age you are. On that note, uh, again, please visit the Mental Health Gym for all kinds of other wellness information and be back next week for Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Until then, stay positive and stay safe.